wilderness times. I, I wonder if there's anybody underneath the sound of my voice that has ever gone through a wilderness. A wilderness is a scary place. Nothing really ever grows in a wilderness. And if it does, it usually is like weeds. One of the definitions of wilderness means uncultivated. Have you ever tried to go outside and cultivate the land and you begin to realize that if you don't put some special attention to it, things are going to begin to grow up around you? Weeds grow like weeds. And, and if you don't give some attention to those weeds, they begin to grow higher and higher and higher. And the more that you put it off, the harder it is to be able to navigate where you're trying to get to. And it's in a wilderness that is uncultivated. And you say, how do I get out of, of this mess. I, I, I'm headed a certain way, but because you're in a wilderness, drama has grown up around you. Depression has grown up around you. Death has grown up around you. And the people of God, because they're not rooted, there's another little plug for that series. Because they're not rooted, they're having a very difficult time trying to navigate themselves out of the desert. The desert is a lonely place. You feel like you're by yourself. You feel like everybody has turned their backs on you. How many has ever been there before? At one moment, somebody says, if there's anything that I can do, you just let me know. And when you try and let them know, they're nowhere to be found. They're not answering your phone calls. They're not texting you back. You private message them on Facebook, and you see that they read it. <laughs> Said read, 8.37 a.m., and there's no response. You're by yourself. But one thing that I want you to realize is that you're never really alone. Because God sometimes allows you to go through a wilderness because he wants you all by himself. He allows you to go through a wilderness sometimes. You see, I went through all the negative stuff first, and now I'm about to get to the positive stuff. He allows you to go through a wilderness so that you learn to only hear his voice. You begin to drown out everybody else who says, I got your back. I'm praying for you. But when rough comes upon rough time, they're nowhere to be found. But I've got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I know somebody named Jesus who said, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. You want to know one reason why I love to serve Jesus? Because the, the, the author of Hebrews said it this way, and I'm going to interpret it in the Eric Danner translation translation the edt come on y'all it goes a little something like this that we have a high priest who knows what we're going through because he himself has gone through it one of the reasons that i love to serve jesus is he can help me get through the wilderness time that i'm facing because he himself went through a wilderness and oftentimes it's in the wilderness that god makes himself known to his people but also when you go through a wilderness, not only is he making himself known, but you're making yourself known. 
you begin to reveal who you really are in a wilderness. Jesus goes through a wilderness, Mark chapter 1, for 40 days. The number 40 means a time of testing. The word test right there in the scriptures, it simply means this, to prove a thing genuine. Could it be that God was saying, boy, I know who you are. You're flesh of my flesh and you're bone of my bone. You're my son. I know what you're capable of. I know your mission because I'm the one that sent you to see that mission fulfilled. But this world doesn't know you just yet. And for you to be able to die for the sins of humanity. For you to be able to be resurrected three days later. For you to have a following. For you to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover. For you to cast out demons and heal lepers and cleanse the sick folk and to save souls. You've got to be able to prove yourself genuine in the desert. You see three things Jesus encounters in Mark chapter 1 in the desert. He encounters three supernatural things, things that are not found in the natural. He begins to encounter the devil himself. He begins to encounter the angels that came and ministered to him. And the Bible says that he lived, literally he habitated with the animals found in the wilderness. You see, could it be that God was saying, I'm allowing you to go through the wilderness to prove yourself that I am who I say that I am, but also I'm allowing you to go through the wilderness because you're going to encounter some supernatural things there because I've called you to do a supernatural work. And here we find the Bible says in Judges chapter, chapter 6, somebody who is called to do a supernatural work, but yet they're in the wilderness. The Bible shows up. The Bible reveals that the angel of the Lord shows up. And he calls a young man by the name of Gideon mighty. One of the first things that I want you to realize as we begin to break down this text for just a few moments, because I promise you I'm not going to go long today, because I want to go outside him. I just want to impart this to you before we dismiss, is that there was no one that is mightier than our God. Can I say that again? I said there is no one mightier than Jehovah. The Bible says in Psalm 50 verse 1, The Lord, the mighty one, is God. Psalm 147 verse 5, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he shall be called. You ready for this? Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You want to know one reason why Jesus can show up and call you mighty is because he recognizes mighty because he himself is mighty. And the Bible reveals to us that this young man, Gideon, is literally hiding in a cave. 
hiding from the enemy who has come to destroy him who has literally come to steal of his harvest. And the Bible says that Gideon is, is found in this cave all by myself. He's threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press, hoping to save just a little bit enough food to feed him and his family, and the enemy will not find him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord appears right in the middle of that cave. I'm so thankful that no matter the wilderness that I'm walking through, Jesus knows exactly where I'm at. And he says to Gideon, what's up, mighty man of valor? Around this time, God calls judges to Israel. We are now outside of the realm of kings. The word judge, it literally means to govern. It's the Hebrew word shofet. And it usually is a hero or a military leader. It literally is, is somebody that the people knows beforehand. God makes people's names known during this time of the scripture from people who are already well known in the pew. It's a hero. It's a military leader. And at this point, what has Gideon accomplished? <laughs> God says to you, Gideon, I'm going to raise you up and you're going to govern my people. But it, at what point has Gideon ever won a battle? At what point in his life has he done anything significant for Jehovah? He's at the bottom of a cave in hiding. Israel has been in bondage for 43 years. The Midianites and the Amicalites, they, they are partnering together to steal crops from this country. The word tells us that he is from the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh is usually the weakest of the 12 tribes of Israel. Not only is he from the weakest of the 12 tribes, but his family is the weakest in the tribe. And he is the least in his father's household. And the Bible says that now the angel of the Lord came. The phrase angel of the Lord, if you paid attention to this series... It's a theophanies. It's a pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus showed up in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is showing up in the middle of a cave. And he says to Gideon, I'm here. I show up every time that you are in need. Aren't you glad that Jesus shows up when you're desperate for a deliverer? Because no matter what you're going through in life, how many have ever been through some drama? How many has ever been depressed? How many has ever had a death in the family and you feel like you've lost it all? How many has ever lost your job? How many ever has, has found themselves in a situation that you got to pay the bill and the bank account has a big fat goose egg right next to it and you're sitting there thinking, what on earth am I going to do? Life is chaotic, but in the midst of chaos, he is still the Christ. And he looks at Gideon 
And he says, you mighty man of valor. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the bottom of the cave in hiding and someone appears out of nowhere and says, what up, you hero? Who you be talking to? I would have turned around and I would have been looking for who Jesus was addressing that phrase to. But I want you to notice that Jesus calls Gideon by name. Aren't you glad that he recognizes you for who you are, not who the world says that you're supposed to be? Gideon literally means he that bruises or breaks. It, it literally, the Hebrew means destroyer. And he says this, yo, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. The word mighty right there in the Hebrew is the word gibor. It means strong and it means valiant chief. And what God, Jesus is trying to say to Gideon at this moment is that I've called you to be strong. Am I preaching to myself this morning? Let me tell you, the past few weeks in this series, I haven't heard a lot of amens. I'm not going to release you to have a harvest party until everybody gets with me. You better jump right on board on this thing. I'll preach all day. Gibor, strong. Jesus is saying to Gideon, there's a lot of weakness going on in our country. There's a lot of people that are in hiding just like you. There's a lot of drama that's going on. Our people need a leader. Our people need to hear my voice. And for the people to hear my voice, I need someone to raise up so that I can speak through them. Therefore, I'm seeing something inside of you that not even this world has seen. Because the Lord sees you not as you see yourself. My God sees you for who you to be. My God is always willing to make us what we ought to be if we're willing to simply submit to his will. Because before you can be a somebody in the Lord, you've got to be a nobody to the world. And the word continues in verse 13. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord said to him, Go in this new might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hands of the enemy. Have I, I've sent you, man. Go in this might of yours. What Jesus is saying, I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And now I'm going to open up your eyes to your true calling. You see, if he calls you, you better make sure that he's going to equip you. When he called me, I realized that before I was ever able to grab a microphone, I had to first learn how to serve. Not only did I have to learn how to serve, I had to learn how to study. I had to learn what it meant to lead in the background. I had to know that before I was able to ever have a public ministry, God must first see integrity inside of me 
and private. If the Lord calls you, he's going to equip you. Because God's commandments, it means man's enablements. And if you're Gideon, you've got to be equipped to fight off the Midianites, to save the harvest, and to protect your country. You better make sure that God has called you and has equipped you. And so what do you do when you're in the wilderness? What do you do when you have a wilderness calling? What do you do when you want to get out of where the drama that you're in? The first thing that you do simply is this. Number one, make a sacrifice. Gideon made a sacrifice. The Bible says in verse 19, So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. Think about this for just a moment. In a drought, Gideon prepares the sacrifice. When there is no food, he gathers what food he has, and he offers it unto the Lord. He's, he's hiding already what little crops they possess. But when you give God something that is of worth, when you offer him something that to the world it does not amount to anything of significance, but when it's significant to you, when it's significant to you, even though to the world it's a little bit, but God can turn that little bit into a whole lot as long as it's worship unto him. An ephah of flour equals a half a bushel of dough, enough to feed a family for days back then. Could it be that Gideon is saying, all right, I hear you. I recognize who you truly are. Therefore, I'm going to offer you my very best. How many times do we come into church and during worship, it takes us a little bit to kind of get warmed up? You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all looking at me like, I just want to be in the harvest party right now. <laughs> you still ain't warmed up in this service. We're almost an hour and a half in. It takes us a little while. You know, Pastor Darnell has to invoke us and to encourage us just a little bit. I have to get up here sometimes and give a three to five minute sermonette on what tithe truly is and how it, it remains to be worshipped. Why? Why do we do that? Because I never want to give God anything other than my best. If we're going to show up, I want to make sure that I preach with excellence. I want to make sure that I lead with excellence. I want to make sure the church that I've called to pastor worships and receives with everything that they've got. I want to make sure that they offer in their tithe and offering their very best. I want to make sure that when they leave this place, that they live for Jesus with everything that they've got. Oh God, raise up somebody in this place that says, I'm going to give you 110% everything inside of me me cries out for you so Gideon literally gives him what he has at the bottom of a cave why before there is victory you have got to understand that a victory is going to cost you something you've got to sacrifice something 
Because before you can do anything mighty, you've got to recognize who the master is. The Bible says in verse 23, Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. I'm going to send you into battle, but you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar there, and he called it, The Lord is Peace. Think about that for just a moment as I'm beginning to close. Gideon recognizes the new strength that the Lord has empowered him with. Gideon offers to him the very best of all the supplies in the bottom of the cave. And now Gideon is building an altar to the Lord. And he could have called that altar anything. If the Lord called me to be strong, I probably would have said, man, this altar is Arnold. But he looks at that altar and he says, this altar means that my God is a peaceful God. Could it be that Gideon realized that he's about to go into battle? He realizes that he's about to do something that the Bible says he's never done before. He's about to draw a sword. He's about to face an enemy that right now he's running from. But before you can ever be at war with Satan, you have got to first be at peace with God. How many people are on the battle lines and they're getting swayed this way and that way? The Bible says that in the end times, there's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be people that are led astray. Why? They are at war with the devil, but they never really 100% surrender to their God. They're still living with somebody outside marriage. They're still sleeping around. You want to know one reason why you can't cast out the devil? Because you just slept with him last night. And so many of you are in the fight of your lives, and for some reason, you can't attain a victory. You've got to realize it's not by your talent. You're not going to achieve a victory simply because you're talented. You cannot achieve a victory simply because you have a title. You cannot achieve a victory just because you look the part. God called Saul because Saul looked the part. He gave Israel what they wanted. The Bible said in 1 Samuel that Saul was a head above the others, and he literally looked kingly. But because he was not a man after God's own heart, you know what that was like. And so God said, all right, I'm going to get me a boy next time. A boy that's learned to worship me out in the wilderness where nobody else was ever with him. You can never win a victory simply because you look good. You've only going to win a victory if you realize that greater is he. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. How can he be great if he is not involved? You can't get a victory if you're outside of his will. Get inside the will of God. Because when you get outside the will of God, screwy things begin to happen to God's people. 
So what do I do, Pastor? I've just received a wilderness call, uh, calling. Make a sacrifice. But also, number two, this is what I, one thing that I want you to realize. This is very important. Before he ever went to battle, the Bible says that Gideon tore down the altars of Baal. Verse 28, and when the men of the city arose early in the morning, then the altar of Baal was torn down. To be mighty, to get out of your wilderness and to do something of significance with the calling that God has bestowed upon you. You've got to realize that God's enemies are not your frenemies. To be mighty, you've got to realize that God's enemies are not your companions. Understands that you've got to understand that champions are not to, they're not meant to be companions with the enemy. How difficult a job this must be. He comes from the weakest of the weak, the tribe of Manasseh. He's a part of the weakest family inside of the tribe. He is under the leadership that he's going to single-headedly tear down in one instance their God. He's a nobody from nowhere. And all of a sudden he says, I'm going to take a stand because I've had enough. Have you ever had enough? Have you ever been through something and you said, I've had enough of it? Growing up, I knew that my mother had enough. She still does this. I'm 30 years old and it scares the living daylights out of me. Growing up, I remember my, my older sister and I, we would get into trouble. We'd cause some ruckus around the house. And this is what she would do. She would talk without moving her mouth. Is there any moms in here that do that? Do you have a mom that does it? I'm the only one. I'm scarred for life. And she would literally, she would grit her teeth. And she would say, stuff it and stuff it right now. I'd be in the back of the church, like swinging from the chandelier, you know, running some of the older people in the church over when I was five years old. Don't, don't judge. I was just causing havoc in the house of God. And she would be up in the choir, and she would just make eye contact with me no matter where I was at. She could go. <laughs> she could make that one. <laughs> no matter what I was doing, no matter what was going around me, I would hear that. She would go. <laughs> Not. <laughs> because when I heard. <laughs> Mom had enough. And then she would, sit, she would sit there in the choir and she would, stop it. And she, it looked like she was smiling because she's the pastor's wife. <laughs> and she always had to have, you know, this, this, you know, facade that everything is okay and that God's still on the throne. And she'd be sitting there, stop it. <laughs> and I knew. Once she did, I'm about to die. She's about to kill me. And as a funny of a story as that is, I think that there should be some Christians that rise up. Oh. In the middle of fear, 
in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of gossip, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when there's been some battles that have been arranged against you and your family, your finances, and your future. There should be some moms and some dads that protect your little ones, and you should say to Satan, I've had enough. Let there be someone in this place that rises up because you've had enough of everything that's been thrown at you. I'm tired, devil, of this battle. I'm tired of this wilderness. I'm tired of everything that you've been throwing at me. I'm ready to get out of here. I've had enough, and God is raising me up to be mighty and to be a voice because he's called me in the middle of a wilderness. Somebody give him a 10-second praise right now. Come play for me. Come play for me. I got to finish. The Bible says that if it goes on, you literally turn the chapter. Gideon is now the head of the army. Over 30,000 men are under his direct command. And God says to him, there are too many. How many has ever had their commander say, you've got too many in your battalion? I've been like, can I have a new commander? I'm about to go to war. I'm about to go into battle. I need as many soldiers as I can get. And God says to him, you've got bodies. You don't have soldiers. And I wonder if that's the picture of the church today. You know, we have a little saying amongst our staff here at Calvary. We don't want to just count the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. I like it when there's some bum-bums in the pew. I like it when we outgrow things. In fact, we're probably going to have to go to two services immediately once we're on the property. That's a sign of the growth that our church has achieved in literally two and a half years. When we first got here, 60. Now we're running between 180 and 200. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. And to God be the glory. Because healthy things grow. You look at my two boys. One is nearly five and one is nearly one. If something blunted their growth, we would know that something is physically wrong in their body. When a church does not grow, could it be because there's something wrong inside the body? healthy things grow and I'm thankful for growth but we've got a little saying that we don't want to just count the numbers we want to make sure that the numbers count because I'm not interested in building a crowd crowds are great and no matter who shows up we're going to preach to them and we're going to give them the word of God because the word says in Isaiah 55 that the word does not return void so whoever is here we're going to make sure that the word is dropped inside of their spirit and whether they receive it or not we know we've done our job to plant a seed inside of them it's not my job for that seed to grow it's just my, for my job to make sure that that seed has been planted but could it be that one of the reasons that churches have no influence over communities anymore is because we have a crowd, not a group of soldiers. 
And God says to Gideon, you've got bodies, you've got men, but you don't have an army. Read the chapter. I don't have time. I've got to end. The Lord literally dwindles the number from 30,000 to 300. 300 men to face an entire country. Two countries. 300. It's the original 300. If I was Gideon, I would have made sure that God was in this. God, before we go into battle, before I put my men in harm's way, I want to make sure that I have heard your voice. You're on my side. They go and they face the men of Midian, the Amicalites. And all that they do, they don't raise a sword. They don't throw a spear. <laughs> all they do is play some instruments. All they do is begin to worship the one true God. The armies of Midian and the Amicalites have joined together. They're ready. They're battle tested. They're ready to face Israel. And this unknown man named Gideon, who just a few days ago was at the bottom of a cave, they're confident. They realize that they've got this in a bag. There's no for sure thing, but this is as of sure a thing as there ever was. And the Lord said to Gideon, this is what I want you to do. Take your 300 men. Don't face them head on, but surrounding. Aren't you thankful? That when you feel like your life is surrounded, God is surrounding what is surrounding you. And Gideon takes his 300, he surrounds the armies. And all they do is begin to just play some instruments. All they do is just lift up their voice and they begin to worship the King of Kings. You want to know what helps me get through my wilderness? You want to know what helps me get through our battles and our desert times? It's when I get alone with God. And no matter what is facing me, God, you're greater. I thank you, Lord. This isn't the first time that I've faced impossible odds. Oh, God. This isn't the first time that I've ever had to put my faith inside of you where it looked like there was no way. I praise you because you're the way maker. You can make the way. Twindles a, a, an army from 30,000 to 300. You want to know what one of the definitions of a miracle is? You ready for this? If man can explain it, God didn't do it. We sang just a few moments ago, a miracle can happen now. That's right. 
There's power in the tongue is what Pastor Darnell said. Sometimes in the middle of your wilderness, the only thing that God is waiting on you is for you to open your mouth and to use this little tiny muscle inside of it and say, God, I release you to be God no matter the odds that I'm facing. Let there be a miracle that happens in my life. I've tried. I can't do it on my own. I need you. And if I can explain how I got out of this place, you didn't do it. Nothing is impossible with my God. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So this is, this is literally my end statement. Did you get anything out of this short word? Is that your worship will release your mighty. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 2017. But before 2017 arrives, there's still work to be done in November. And there's work to be done from the people of God in December. And the only way that we're going to take back some property, oh, We got approved for water on Thursday. Say, so what's, this, what's this weird white boy talking about? If you're new to our church, we are literally about a month away from being on our church property where we have just built two buildings. We had a meeting with the lead inspector of the Utilities Commission. And he said, church, you're good to go. We release you to have some water. This week, we're going to have water. We've already called our plumber. We called the, the guys over the fire suppression system. They're going to tie it all in for us. On Wednesday, as of right now, we're going to put in our $25,000 worth of landscape that's going to start, or that's going to surround our property with bushes and trees, 80 trees and like 370 bushes. Those were the last two major things that were in our way from having the final, final inspection and getting our certificate of occupancy so that we can officially meet on 794 Old Mission Road. The reason I'm mentioning all of that at the end of this message, number one, God's in it. Number two, God did it. But number three, I believe that God is wanting to raise this church up to be a lighthouse in a dark, dark area. And the only way that that is going to happen is if some people who have been through a wilderness time, some people who have walked through a desert, 
you received your calling in the wilderness you've made yourself known to God and he has made himself known to you you've passed the genuine test and God is saying to you I've called you to be strong teenager I've called you to walk the school the hallways of your school in a strength that you don't possess but you only get it because of who I am inside of you I'm calling some moms and dads to be strong for their kids and to bring them back into having some morals and character I'm calling a church to be of one mind and one accord so that you can be a light in very very dark places and that you can tell everybody else who right now is walking through a wilderness time oh we've been there we've done that I know what you're going through you want to get out of there I know a place that you need to go called Calvary no we don't have all the answers no we're imperfect people but we're serving a perfect Savior and we're strong in the Lord somebody stand up on your feet and get God some praise if you're gonna walk out of this place with a calling that you have received in a wilderness throw your hands to heaven and begin to worship him we worship you Lord somebody raise your voice we worship you Lord we worship you Lord father before we ever do anything outside before we paint faces and eat some free food we're going to recognize who you are in this place. And Father, I pray for these people. They've heard your word. Now, Father, I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to respond. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I've got two calls and then I'm going to dismiss. The first call is simply this. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, or maybe at one point you walked with him, but you were led astray. There's sin in your life. Sin is simply this, anything that separates you from God. You've done some things that have separated you from him. You've gone places. You've thought some thoughts. If that's you, you're not right with God. No one's looking around. But you say, Pastor, I've been in wilderness. I want to get out of this. And I want Jesus to save me from this. Just simply raise your hand. There's sin in my life. Jesus, save me from this wilderness. Two over here to my right. There's some in the back. I see a sweetheart. I see a, my friend over to my right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I see you five, six hands so far. Praise God. Pastor, I'm not right. Pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. I want everybody underneath the sound of my voice to simply repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to get right with your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming 2,000 years ago to die on a cross that was meant for me. Forgive me of my sins by the blood that you shed on Calvary. Wash me white as snow. 
come into my heart be my Lord be my Savior and from this moment forward I commit to live for you in Jesus mighty name we pray